Hi, I'm Ed Adams, and this is the Weekly Genealogy Toolkit, the podcast that helps new genealogists get the most out of their research time and avoid the most common pitfalls. Today, I want to talk about a big problem in genealogy. It's not a particularly new problem, but it has been made worse with the advent of the popular online genealogy platforms. It's a problem that trips up the vast majority of new genealogists and can probably account for a large number of people who give up on genealogy, fearing that it may never be possible to know the truth about their family. Many online sites even tout this problem as a feature, and, I mean, it really can be. But in my experience, only in the rarest of occasions. So what's the problem? Other people's trees. I want to be clear from the get-go where I stand on this topic. Other people's trees are, for the most part, of absolutely no use whatsoever. As a new genealogist, my advice to you is to completely ignore them for now. But why? If someone's done all the work, why redo it? Maybe someone has figured out a way around that brick wall that you've been struggling with. Sure, maybe. But probably not. The root of the problem is actually a good thing. Genealogy is popular, and a lot of people dabble in it from time to time. Fundamentally, I think that's good. I think genealogy, as a means of developing a healthy sense of identity and belonging, is underappreciated. I think it should be popular, and in fact, should be a lot more popular. The trouble lies in the fact that although a lot of people may engage in it as a hobby, very few people engage in it seriously. Like I said in episode one, genealogy is, at its core, just a type of history. And real history takes serious work being undertaken by people who take that responsibility to get it right seriously. As you get started, hopefully you find the initial steps to be challenging but accomplishable. As you get a few generations back, you will find that discovering the details necessary to link one generation to the next gets exponentially more difficult. You have searched high and low and can't find any more information about your two times great-grandfather, Moses Robertson. As you sit there, looking at your online tree, racking your brain to think of another avenue to explore, you see a little shaky leaf next to his name. You click on it and notice that another user's tree is showing some additional information about your ancestor. So you click on it and see that this user not only knows more about Moses Robertson, but they also have his parents' information and ten more generations back, taking you all the way to England. You accept the hint, and all the information copies over into your tree, and you let out a sigh of relief and think, great, now I can get on to some of my other lines. Not only have you placed bogus information into your family tree, but you've made it that much easier for anyone else related to Moses Robertson to find that bad information. Chances are, you aren't going to realize the damage that you have done to your tree for some time. Once you get better at the whole process of doing genealogy, you may find another hint that shows you another user's tree. By then, you'll have the experience to identify some inconsistencies in the information on that tree, and you'll notice that they have a lot of information, but no sources. That'll set off some red flags for you, and you'll go on your way, leaving that information right where it should stay, in that person's tree, and out of yours. But then you're going to think about all those other users' information that you did add to your own tree, and you're going to get a sinking feeling. 
Some people can get TreeLink drunk and link dozens and dozens of other users' information to their own and later realize what they've done, get discouraged at the thought of trying to untangle the mess, and end up quitting the search. I think that's unfortunate because, like I said, the iterative process of digging deeper and deeper into my past has been a positive and grounding experience. I'd hate to think that someone was trying to find the same thing and got discouraged and quit because of the mistakes of others. So the easy answer to avoid this mistake is simply to ignore other member trees. Do all the work on your own at first. That's how you get better at this. And I think just as much fun comes from the research as comes from knowing the answer. Besides, I'd rather be confident in my knowledge that I'm related to a middling but unremarkable farmer in Nebraska than to entertain a fantasy that I'm related to royalty because some guy on the internet said so. Now, I've described this scenario as it would unfold for the typical Ancestry.com user, and I'll typically focus my examples on that perspective because when you look at user bases, Ancestry is the powerhouse. But all the big online sites happily let you make that same mistake almost as easily. FamilySearch.org, a great family history resource and amazingly free, has an interesting feature with its shared tree. You can think of it as kind of like the Wikipedia of family trees. As you build your own tree on FamilySearch, as a default, you'll be shown potential matches with the shared tree. That match, then, is not just copied to your tree so much as it is appended to your tree. Other users can then come and make additions, deletions, or edits based on their own research, or in some cases, their own opinions. This can lead to a lot of inaccuracies. But why are so many trees so bad? Precisely because genealogy does provide that sense of identity that so many of us search for. It feels good to think that you might be related to Charlemagne or Pocahontas. Sometimes it's not quite so grand, but it can feel just as good to think that you're related to a patriot who fought at the Battle of Lexington, or that your ancestor pushed back against a heavy-handed federal government during the Whiskey Rebellion. These are the kinds of things that can make us feel connected to the history of our nation and can build a sense of ownership in the future of the nation. All good things if you ask me, but I can't abide by a lie. Unfortunately, for many people, the attraction of being connected to one of those consequential people or events is just too much, and they ignore all the indications that it's just not true. So if you're just getting started, like I said, ignore the trees for now. If you've already made the mistake, don't worry. Most of us have made this mistake at one point or another. When you're first getting started, it's hard to know what exhaustive research really is, and looking at a profile filled with information that has at least a few sources that, from a quick glance, appear to be right, can easily draw us in. But I'd encourage you to go back and look at some of those areas in your tree that you know you've pulled information over from other users. Look again, and you may find yourself undoing some of that work. Don't get discouraged, though. Like C.S. Lewis wrote, we all want progress. But if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. So by realizing the mistake that you've made and starting to get rid of that erroneous information, you are making progress on your tree. Be proud of working to get it right. But is there any use for other people's trees? Absolutely. 
but it's probably a usefulness that will develop further down the line. First, set your mind to getting good at the basics of genealogy, developing a research plan, and analyzing and evaluating sources. Those are the two basic skills that you'll need to make use of another user's tree. Once you have these skills, though, you can look at the work done by other people and develop a plan for how to confirm or deny their conclusions. Does it look like they've done reasonably exhaustive research, or do they just have a single source attached? Once you have developed your skill at analyzing and evaluating sources, you can start to determine if those sources that other users have cited are even about the person that they're attached to, and if they are, whether or not the information in those sources can be considered authoritative or not. If you have confirmed the sources, and it looks like between your research and the other user's research, you might have achieved an exhaustive look at sources available, by all means, pull that information over into your tree. But now, instead of blindly accepting information by faith, you're going to understand the information and how it was derived. Yes, it's a lot of work, and you might wonder how that other person's tree was even useful if you ended up having to do all that work yourself. I think of other users' trees as kind of pointing towards clues. If someone else has found some things that I haven't found, I'd be stupid to ignore it, but I'd also be stupid to trust it at face value. Look, maybe I've come down too hard on the work done by other genealogists. This is not supposed to be a solitary hobby. It's much more fun to share what you've discovered than it is simply to walk around quietly knowing it. So ultimately, I'm, I'm glad that it's so easy to share our work. But let's endeavor to operate more like academics. We research, write, and publish. We read. We evaluate and critique. We edit and revise. Our published trees should be open to peer review, and we should review the work of others. I just hope that when the time comes to have a gut check and look at the fact that perhaps some of the work that we've done in the past may not be up to par, that we can accept the criticism gracefully and make the needed changes. Because at the end of the day, that seemingly unremarkable farmer in Nebraska paved the way for making you who you are. So I hope I've managed to encourage you to roll up your sleeves and get back out there and into the sources, doing it on your own, putting all those puzzle pieces together, and solving the problem yourself. After all, that's where all the fun is. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.